The way of wisdom starts out with a step of holy fear. And it makes its way alone by every good word that you hear. It has to do with passion. And it has to do with pain. It has to do with one who has both died and rose again. A song, The Way of Wisdom by Michael Card. But see, today, as I said, we see another symptom of life in a fallen world, and that is the devaluing of wisdom or the failure to prioritize and pursue true wisdom. Even, you know, today we have very few people and even very few leaders who prioritize true wisdom, and we'll talk about what that is. And in these verses, verses 13 to 16, we see the priority of wisdom portrayed with a comparison. You have a comparison of a wise youth and an old and foolish king. Who had the right priorities? The title today is The Priority of Wisdom. And what I want you to see and what I want us all to see and what us all us not just to hear but to believe is that if we're going to live a successful life as God defines success, if we're going to live a successful life in this fallen world, you must prioritize wisdom over everything else. You must prioritize wisdom. Solomon's driving us above the sun as he shows a comparison here to teach a lesson. We've already talked a little bit about wisdom and, and, and more about just human wisdom before, so we're going to shift that a little bit today. But we're going to look into this comparison of this poor youth and this wise, I mean this poor wise youth and this old foolish king and see what we can learn from it. There are some challenges in this passage. There are some places where if you read Dr. Shaw's book, you know, it's like, okay, who's this? Who's this pronoun referring to? You know, is it the king? Is it the youth? And how do these connect? And, you know, in some ways this book is a lot like Proverbs where you, you have these, these little sections. But there's something here. There's, there's, the conclusion is clear. It's right there on the page for us. And that's really what I'm drawing most of this from. But look first, there's a comparison here. There's a comparison between these two people. And it says in verse 13, better... Was a, and we'll come back to that word, but better was a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who no longer knew how to take advice or, or who could no longer take warning. Why? Because doing what is right in his own eyes, he's the one that's right. He's the one that's king. He doesn't need anybody to tell him what to do. He's got it all figured out. For he... This is probably the youth. Um, this is where some of the struggle comes in, the connection here. But it, makes, it doesn't make any sense if the he is not the youth. He went from prison to the throne, though, though in his own kingdom he had been poor. And I saw all the living moving about under the sun, under the sun, notice he's evaluating that, along with that youth who was to stand in the king's place, there was no end to all the people, all whom he led, yet those who come later will not rejoice in him. What's that saying? He's, even this young youth who gets to the, to the king, 
to the position of king. He too will be removed someday. He too will pass on. He too won't be remembered. Very few are remembered. And most of the kings of history that are remembered are remembered for bad reasons. When you look at the history of Judah, I mean, Israel didn't have a good king after the split. And Judah only had a few. It's just king after king after king. And most of them, it says, evil in the sight of the Lord. This comparison between youth and age, between prison and lack of prosperity to in the palace and having supposedly have it all. But look, first the young man and the old man. Most people think it's, most people tend to think that youth is better than being old. In a lot of ways, we agree with that, right? I said this before. Youth, enjoy it. Enjoy the youth. Check engine light's not on yet. It'll come. But most people tend, if we're thinking about it, if we had a choice between being old and being young, most people would choose young, right? They would prioritize young because we think we're, we're healthy and sleek and, you know, had all of those advantages, and here we have an unnamed youth and a, really an unnamed old king because that's really not the point who these people are. There's a comparison being made. So most of the time, just comparing youth and age, we would choose youth. But this king, you know, he has some advantages. He's rich. He's king. He's in power. So since... It's a king and who's rich and famous and powerful. His situation must be better. So then if we were choosing between this poor youth and this older king, we might be tempted to choose. If we could choose which one to be, we might be tempted to choose the man in the palace. Because of all the seeming advantages and privileges. But we've got a comparison between a young man and an old man. And we're, we're sort of asking the question. And Solomon's asking the question, which one's better off? Which one's better off? Would you choose to be poor and young or old and rich? What should we pursue? Well, that's not the only thing that's in the text, is it? It's not a choice between young and old or just between poor and rich. The real choice, the real thing Solomon wants us to sort of, sort of think about and take hold of is the contrast between, and we've seen this already, between the wise and the foolish. And that's the major characteristic and the determining factor as we look at this. So and all the things you might think of being a king and all the pomp and circumstance and privilege and power and fame and all the things you might go mm, about being a young youth, a, a youth who's going to go to prison. And yeah, he'll eventually make it to the palace. But, you know, who wants to go through all of that? But look, the second contrast, as I've mentioned, is between Wisdom and foolishness. Wisdom and foolishness. And there are two assumptions here in life in general, not in the text. The assumption that we make is that the young are foolish and the old are wise. Young people are foolish and old people are wise. 
We're tempted to say that, right? I mean, in the ancient world, just like in some parts today, some still left over, not a lot, but in the ancient world, you know, gray hair was valued. Age was valued as a source of wisdom. The elders were looked to for wisdom. And the assumption is that older is wiser and younger is foolish. Rulers were generally considered more wise than their subjects. But look what Solomon does in this picture. He, turn, he turns it upside down, doesn't he? He flips those assumptions on their head because the comparison is between a poor and wise youth and an old and foolish king. You can even be a king and be foolish. But listen to me, people, especially older people, you can be a young person and be wise. And some of these young people might be wiser than some of us. The picture is of a poor but a wise youth and an old and a foolish king. The young person is the wise person in the picture. And the old person is the foolish person. Young people, if you listen to me today, I will tell you how to be wise. Maybe even wiser than your parents if they don't follow what I'm going to also tell them today. And older people and young people, I'm going to tell you how can you, you can be foolish. And really, none of us sets out to want to be foolish, do we? But the contrast, the real contrast here, although it's dressed up in different ways and there might be sort of a little bit of a sleight of hand to get you to think what's the best place to be in, the real contrast here is between wise and foolish. And he doesn't make us guess. He gives us some details about these people and their lives but he doesn't make us guess about what the conclusion is. Look back in verse 13. What is the very first word? Better. Better. If you had the choice to be either of these two, you should choose the wise youth, even if it meant imprisonment and all of the hardship that came with that. Listen to me, wisdom is better than power. Wisdom is better than riches. Wisdom is better than fame or friends or you fill in the blank. If the choice is between foolishness and wisdom, you should choose wisdom. So wisdom should be our priority. It was for this youth. Let me, and I'll get at this later. This youth didn't automatically become wise. They weren't just born wise. Now, you've, I've met young people who were wiser than their years, and you can sense that. But there's a path for that. And some of that had come out of good parenting and listening to good parenting and growing up in, in a certain way. But wisdom is better than the offerings of the world. Certainly more lasting. 
It glorifies God. So listen, what is wisdom? What is wisdom? Just knowing a lot of stuff? Wisdom is the skill. Wisdom is skill in the art of living life with each component under the rule of God. Wisdom is skill in the art of living life with each component under the rule of God. And joyfully so, because of His grace, right? You want to be skillful in living, you have to be living in accord with the way you were created, living in accord then with the way your Creator tells you you were created, and what His will is for you. But seeking to bring every area of life under the rule of God because you know that's what is good and you know that's what is best for you. Christ proves it. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Make God's glory the priority. Seek to live all of life for His glory because you know that's for your good. If He would die for us to take a cruel death, not just physically, but spiritually for us, if He would go through the grave and defang that and be raised from the grave. He's right in everything He says, but more than that, we should trust Him because He took that for us. He took the blow for us. But the glory of God is the priority of a wise life. A wise life is a God-centered life. What's what's then the flip of that? A foolish life is a self-centered life. I don't care how smart you are. A foolish life is a self-centered life. A wise life is a God-centered life. God, I want your will to be done in my life even if it hurts because I know that I can trust you because Christ, 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 Christ. See, this had to have been the priority of this youth's life. Like I said, he didn't get wise just by being born. He was seeking the Lord, believing the Lord, being filled with His Word as we'll see later. And it wasn't the priority of the king. Too much about the world stuff. Seemingly had it all, but really had nothing. Gained the whole world, lost his soul. The fool had the crown on his head. And the wise person... Didn't know where his next meal was coming from. Yet he did. Trusting in the Lord. Charles Spurgeon says this. See, sometimes we get confused. We confuse wisdom with knowledge. And we think those who know a lot are the wise ones. Listen to Charles Spurgeon. He says, wisdom is the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. Many men know a great deal and are all the greater fools for it. There is no fool so great as a knowing fool. But to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. Don't be a knowing fool. Don't be one who's wise in your own eyes. Some of us are playing that game, and it's wreaking havoc in our life and our relationships, and we refuse to see it. Wisdom according to Scripture, John MacArthur said, is the skill in living, is skill in living and applying truth. God's truth. 
skill in living and applying God's truth. Certainly you have to have a knowledge of the Word, but that's, that doesn't mean you're wise. Satan knows this book from Genesis to Maps. But he's not wise. He's ultimately foolish because he's in rebellion against God. He knows it, but he doesn't love it. He opposes it. Wisdom is the skill in living and applying the truth. So you know the truth. In understanding, you kind of are able to discern how it fits together. And then wisdom gives you the big picture of living life out of it for the glory of God, which you know will be for your good. That God will walk you through hard times. The book promises that, but He'll be with you all the way through. You won't understand it all, but you can trust in it all because you know that He will bring good out of it. He's working everything to, together for good. And sometimes that's really hard to grasp and understand. But it's true. God is wise. He is infinitely wise. He is ultimately wise. And He has given us all of the wisdom we need in Christ and in a knowledge of Him through His Word. And we must prioritize that. Listen, I don't, I'm not trying to be mean this morning, but you are a fool if you don't prioritize that. Because the Bible says so. Right? The one who says there is no God, the fool says in his heart there is no God. The one who says he doesn't need the Word, you could just go ahead and say that too. The way of wisdom, I quoted at first, starts out with a step of holy fear. The beginning of wisdom is what the Proverbs say? The fear of the Lord. Believing Him. Yes, there's an element of real fear in that. But of, of, of coming to where your attitude towards God is one of awe and reverence and respect and delight, and love so that you believe Him, trust Him, learn from Him, and live for Him. But it starts with the help of step of holy fear away from yourself toward Him. Without the fear of the Lord, there is no wisdom. Now stop and look around you in the culture. How many people really are wise? If we're wise, we wouldn't hate people because of the color of their skin. If we were wise, we would realize that the police and the authorities are God's gift to us. They're God's ministers to execute justice. And most of them are good people. There's so many things I could fill in on that. But you just look around you today. From the top to the bottom, there's not a lot of wisdom in this world. There's a lot of people quoting a lot of verses, but very few of them actually are living it out, living in light of it out of love for God. Wisdom is the art of living and applying truth. You want to know what a life of wisdom looks like preeminently? You want to see one? I, there's four books you can read. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Wisdom incarnate was Jesus. It was his food to do the Father's will. It brought him a lot of trouble. But in, his, in, his, in your presence is fullness of joy. If you want to be foolish, I can't stop you. And some of you are foolish right now. 
I don't know who I'm talking to through this camera thing up here, but I promise you, everybody even in this building is not living wisely today. And all of us, to some extent, have some foolishness in our lives that we need to root out. We're not glorified yet. How do we prioritize wisdom? How do we shift our perspective? How do we stop longing after the things of the world and prioritizing those? Not that necessarily there's anything bad about being a king or having a lot of stuff or none of that. If God gives it, use it well. Use it for His glory. But how do we prioritize wisdom in our lives and choose? If we were choosing between these two, I'm choosing, we would say in our heart quickly, I'm choosing to be the poor wise youth. Because wisdom has that much of priority. Because God said so. So how do we prioritize wisdom? How do we take something away from this text other than reading it and going, you know, poor youth, stupid king, all vanity. It's not what God wants us to take away from the text. So how do we prioritize wisdom? Well, let me just give you a few few hints and few few points and then... I'm going on vacation. Um, <laughs> you, I figured out with Mike and Corey and same. No, <clears throat> the first point is we find it in Jesus. If you don't find it in Jesus, you don't have it. There's some common, yeah, common wisdom out there, but real, true, godly wisdom has to be found in Jesus. The first step. To wisdom is the fear of the Lord, and there is no fear of the Lord if we're rejecting Christ, His Son. Look at this in Colossians 2, 1, and I'd encourage you to read Colossians. You can do it in 10 minutes, but bore into it. It's a really good little book. But it says this in Colossians 2, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those in Laodicea, for all who have not seen me face to face. This is Paul talking to those believers. That their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love. Worked on that last week with us in community, right? To reach all the riches of full assurance and understanding and knowledge of God's mystery, which is whichever Savior you choose. Which is Christ. Jesus Christ. Jesus the Messiah. Yeshua HaMashiach, however you want to say it. Now watch what it says about Jesus. In whom are hidden all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. See, one of the reasons Jesus came into this world is the world was foolish and had no wisdom. We had rejected God and His ways in favor of our own ways. We were wise in our own eyes. We have broken every one of His commandments in thought, word, and deed. We could not save ourselves. And so Jesus came and lived a perfect life fulfilling God's law in thought, word, and deed. Providing, remember we sang it, my my righteousness is Jesus' life. Providing a perfect righteous standing for His people before God to be received by faith. And he then He took our guilt upon Himself and on the cross He took our condemnation. Our punishment, not just the physical part, but spiritual part. Father, 
turned his back, poured out his wrath on his son. His son took that willingly to save his people. And he went into the grave, but he didn't stop there. He went through it. He blew the doors off of it, not so he could get out, but so we could see he wasn't in there anymore. He was with his disciples for more than 40 days, seen by over 500 people at one time, ascended into heaven, and he's coming again. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried. He was raised the third day according to the Scriptures. Evangel out there, tell him John 3.16. He told me that this morning. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him, trusts in him, Shall not perish. Why? Because Christ took that for them. But have eternal life. Having Christ, we have a lot of treasures, one of which is a treasure of wisdom if we'll believe Him and follow Him. You know, the Christian life is not just receiving Jesus like some sort of ticket so we don't go to heaven and then just marching on with our own agenda. He says... The scripture says that he died for us, that those who live may no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised from the grave. Christians are followers of Jesus, and one aspect of following Jesus is learning from him. How do we learn from him? Through his word. The Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, teaches us the word. This is about Jesus from Genesis to Matthew. So that we would come to trust Jesus and prioritize Jesus, therefore prioritizing His Word, knowing His Word, doing it in community so that we can live together in Christ, one mind, and grow in living for Him on mission. But see, if you won't find Jesus, if you, and you, can't, you don't have the excuse that you've not heard, because you've heard this morning. If you reject Jesus, no matter what else you do, you're foolish in God's eyes. There's no other place to find true wisdom than in Jesus. I know that really chaps our postmodern or post-postmodern attitudes. I'm sorry. I'm really not. It's God's Son. It's God's Word. He was raised from the grave. Get over it. Turn and trust in Him. God commands you to do so. If you won't, you will answer for your sin on your own. You will live a fool. Or you can live wise. And the first step to wisdom is finding it in Jesus, which implies the second step. Number two, humble yourselves to receive Christ and to submit to God as your priority in life. His will for His glory, knowing it's your good. I've already quoted this verse. Proverbs 1.7, The fear of the Lord is the capstone, the crown. No, it's the beginning of knowledge. Now watch this. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Listen, I'm convicted by this week, and, and, and I'm going on vacation, so I might be a little bit more spurred this morning. But if you reject this, this is wisdom and instruction from the Lord. And if you despise it, this is not talking about your feelings. We root everything in feelings, don't we? You know how I despise this? I ignore it. I walk away from it. I might even read a couple of sentences in the morning, but then I forget it, and I'm off doing my own thing, doing what's right in my own eyes. I don't want to be one that God calls a fool. I hope you don't. Young people, don't be one God calls a fool. You want to be wise? You can be wise at a really young age. 
seek Jesus, receive Jesus, and know His Word. And make your parents teach it to you. Challenge your parents. Mom, Dad, I don't see you in the book. What's up with that? Because you don't just need to be in the book, parents. You need to be in the book with your kids and before your kids and walking this out with them so they should know what you're all about. I know this is uncomfortable. Stop messing with my kids. Well, I'm hoping your kids will mess with you if you ain't following Jesus. So that's the risk you take bringing them here. Fools are wise in their own eyes and they think they don't need the Lord or, or they don't need His Word. I mean, there are people who actually say, I have my, my relationship with Jesus. As though it's just some special mystical thing. And either they say it out loud or they say it by their actions. I don't really need this. When Psalm 119 is telling us it's our life. We should delight in it. It should be our treasure. Why? Through it we know God and we know how to live for God. Through it we know Christ and are forgiven of all of our sins and have eternal life as our hope. If we continue to be wise in our own eyes and just rely on what we think, that is a recipe for destruction. And you might, like this king, you might get everything in this life. And then stand before God and realize you have nothing. What does it profit a man, woman, boy or girl to gain the whole world and lose their soul? Implied answer, nothing. Nada. Worse than nothing. Get your eyes above the under the sun. Look above the sun. There is a God. The repeated message. He's coming. He's going to judge the world. Humble yourselves. Receive Christ. Please, I beg of you, I implore you, I exhort you, don't stand before God by yourself and try to answer for your life. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None deserve eternal life. God won't grade you on the curve. If you're not standing in Jesus, you have not kept His law in thought, word, and deed, which means you have sinned and you will receive the judgment for that. The soul that sins shall die. Not just physical death, eternal death. Don't rely on what you think. Rely on what God says. Even Yoda said, many of the truths we cling to depend on our own point of view. Hollywood slips up and gets it right sometimes. Don't get all your theology from Star Wars or it's really bad. <laughs> as far as theology goes. Entertaining, science fiction, but don't lean on your own understanding. It won't pay off. Even if it pays off seemingly in this life with all this stuff, it won't pay off before the judgment of God. Now, okay, so don't just find it in Christ and humble yourselves to receive Him and believe what He says. Feed on His Word. You have to do some work. You're going to be wise. It's going to take work. Number three, dig for it like treasure. In the Word. God doesn't make it easy on His children. Parents, don't make it easy on your children. <laughs> They're going, oh, hush, please don't say that. <laughs> they need to learn to 
work and earn their way and know that the world's not going to give them anything. Besides, God says part of following him is working hard for what we get. But we need to dig for it like treasure. We won't if it's not our treasure, okay? So the gospel should make the word our treasure. Christ should be our treasure. Christ can't be your treasure if the word's not a treasure. Theology is for everybody, not just pastors and preachers and missionaries. You're all theologians. You're either good ones or bad ones, but you're all theologians. And we all have blind spots, so we need to be constantly being shaped by what he's revealed. But look at this. We'll look at one uh, section, and I'll, I'll uh, go on vacation. Leave you alone for a little while. Proverbs 2, 1 and 6. Look, look at this, or 1, 2, 6. Look at verse 1. My son, if... There's an if-then statement going on here, right? We'll see it. If you receive my words and treasure up my commands within you. Okay, so the, the first step here in this passage of being wise is treasuring his commands within us. What is that? Memorizing. Storing up his word in our hearts. I've got little children out there this morning quoting scripture to me. Come on, if they can do it. Right? We make so many excuses these days. You don't have it memorized if it's on your phone. That's not your brain. That all might get taken away someday. It's in your heart. So the first step, according to this, these verses, my son, if you receive my... And we'll get to the then in a minute. You'll see it. But the first step here in verse 1 is to treasure up His commands within us. Some of us chafe at His commands. We don't like His commands. We don't want to keep His commands. That's showing you you don't have a new heart. You don't have, you don't have salvation if you hate His commands. Let that just be it. Don't get mad at me or you or anybody. Don't let it be a red light on the dashboard. Why doesn't my heart like what your heart likes, God? But part of being wise is memorizing. See, we got work to do. Peter said, make every effort to add to your faith. Growth and grace, basically. Go read it, 2 Peter 1. It's not a let go and let God life. Treasure up His Word within you. So the first step to being wise is memorizing Scripture. Second, verse 2, look at it. Making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Notice we said we get the facts, now we're working on understanding. Meditation. Listen, meditation is not being a guru and sitting with your legs twisted up like Gumby and going, mmm, trying to empty your head. Our heads are empty enough as, they, as it is. Real biblical meditation is thinking about the Word of God, chewing on the Word of God. So you, you read it, you know, just a practical example, you read it in the morning and you take it with you. And as you have time, I know crazy is normal these days, but ponder Ponder the verse you're working on memorizes or ponder what you read. As you ponder, you will begin to gain understanding and it will deepen. But it won't come without it being in your heart so you can chew on it. Memorize, meditate. Now look, three, prayer. I don't understand. I do understand. It scares me. And it scares me for you. But I can't tell you the number of people I talk to in counseling oh, our marriage is falling apart or, or this is happening bad or this is happening bad. And I say, well, t tell me about your time in the Word and in prayer. Well, you start getting it. 
and they'll try to blame it on the kids. I don't have time because of the kids. Uh-uh. I don't have time. I don't have. You're not feeding your soul and you're having trouble? Now, not all trouble is because we're not feeding our soul, but it, there is trouble that comes from that. So the first step is to repent of that. God's not going to shortcut you and make like worth. You're, you're original. He'll make like worth. You don't need his word. Everybody else does, but you don't. You just lay down, I'll fix you, and you can go off happy. That's not how counseling works anyway. Don't come to get fixed. I can't do that. Come to get challenged. To grow in Christ and to live for Christ. That's what we all need. But see, memorize it, meditate on it, and pray. It says right here, call out for insight. Raise your voice for understanding. God, help me. Shape my heart. Help me to understand and apply this word. Help me to know you. It's like the breathing, you know, prayer. As our soul's breathing, we confess our sins and are forgiven, and we pray and cry out to our Father. We talk with Him. We talked about that last week. And we grow. There's no growth without prayer. There's no growth without prayer. There's no wisdom without prayer. We get so legalistic, we think we have to pray in this thing and it just kills our prayer life. Talk to your Father. Share your heart with Him. Hear His voice in His Word. And grow in grace. So memorize, meditate, pray, dig, or work hard. Look at, look at 4. Verse 4. If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures. How hard is it to get silver, gold, diamonds out of the ground? I mean, do you just saunter along? Oh, there's one. Mm. I want to know where you are if, if you do that. No, it's got, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of sweat. It's, it's digging out of the ground. Work hard. On knowing God, as I said, Peter says, make every effort. And then we have promises. If we, if we will memorize and meditate and pray and work hard, now we've got some promises to look at. Look at verse 5. Then, then, if, then, you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. See, Jesus prayed, lived and died in praise, yes, to give you your justification as a free gift, but not your sanctification. I mean, it is a work of grace, but we have work to do to grow in grace. Otherwise, it's cheap grace. But look what he promises. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord, and you will find the knowledge of God. For, now watch this. Look at this. It's true. The Lord gives wisdom, and from His mouth comes knowledge and understanding. So hear it this way. The Lord gives His wisdom through these means. Don't, don't just evaporate verses 1 to 4. Through memorizing, through meditating, through praying, through digging, so that we know Him. See, the goal is not just to stop with knowing the words on the page. So that we know Him, have communion with Him, live in, for, and with Him. And are able to walk through trials and difficulty then with joy that abides even through tears and with hope and community around Christ. See, as I said before, and you see in the Word of God, this youth wasn't automatically wise. You won't be automatically wise. 
there's silly people out there saying silly. I even heard one lady one time say, if you will sleep with your Bible under your pillow. Some kind of word, Moses? It's just going to seep. Mm-mm. No? If you'll wear a cross around your neck, you'll be delivered from... No. Gee, you got work to do. Pursue wisdom. If you don't want to do this, it's probably a sign that you don't know him. Just listen to that. And repent. And trust Christ. But this youth was not automatically wise. Even Jesus grew up in the Scriptures. This is the second Adam. He grew in wisdom and stature. How do you think he grew in wisdom? Yes, according to his divine nature, he was God knowing all things. But he came to live as the second Adam. And therefore, as a human, he knows every temptation. He walked through growth and he memorized scriptures. He was even able to ask very good questions at a very young age when he really wasn't lost. They thought he was. He was in the temple talking to the leaders. Jesus has walked the path. He calls us to walk it with Him. He will make us wise if we will trust Him. But it will be through His means. Don't pursue being the old foolish king or just being foolish. Not being able to... I won't hear wisdom and instruction. I have it all figured out. I'm in control. I can do my own thing. I don't need God. Other than just maybe to get me to heaven. Otherwise, leave me alone. Not how it works. A.W. Pink, or Arthur Pink, he said this, The Bible is no lazy man's book, or lazy woman's book. Much of its treasure, like the valuable minerals stored in the bowels of the earth, only yield themselves up to the diligent seeker. Has the gospel made you a diligent seeker of God? Such that you delight in Him and prioritize Him and believe Him so that you delight in and prioritize His Word and lead your family that way. If you want to be wise, and you should, you must become a hard-working, prayerful, trusting miner in the Word of God. And we do that together. You don't have, you're not Lone Ranger, remember? You'll have questions you don't understand. Ask your husband. Hey guys, ask your wife. Maybe your wife is more in the Word than you are. You're at home with her. Hey, honey, what do you think about this? Nothing wrong with that. You should be doing that. Right? But then ask me. Ask some. That's why. Why do you think we do 915 class? All this. We just. Because we preachers, right? No. So that you can be helped and grown in grace and have your questions answered and be shown how to study the Word and all of these things. If you want to be wise, you, should be, you must become a hard-working, prayerful, trusting miner in the Word of God. God has given you everything necessary, starting with His Son. Wow, if He would do that for us, what good thing would He withhold from us? If He would give us His Son to live for His enemies, to die for His enemies, to be raised for His Enemies to be justified, made his friends, to reign for now his brothers and his family to take his gospel to the ends of the earth and to come back someday. If God will do, he will save us from hell. We should trust him. We should treasure him and therefore trust and treasure. Dig in his word. Prioritize wisdom. It is far better. That's what this text says. Better 
to be wise than foolish, really, if you remove the characters. Far better. Young people pursue wisdom. No shortcuts. Prioritize Jesus, no matter what anybody says. You'll lose friends. Okay. Prioritize your friends over Jesus. Well, I'm just meddling all over the place. I had to walk through this. I was saved at 26. My friends thought I went nuts. And in their way of thinking, I did. Lost a lot of friends, but gained a bunch of them too. More and better friends. Prioritize wisdom. It is better. A little bit more from that song and I'm done. The way of wisdom starts out with a step of holy fear. That's only the beginning and there's much more that is clear. The path leads on to love and love is fearless in its ways. For love himself was not afraid to die that we might be saved. To live as Christ. Let's pray. Lord, all of us are foolish in some ways. I've already said that. None of us know everything we should know and are living in all of the light we should be living in. But Lord, work in us. Reprioritize us. Work the diligence that we saw in the early church where they were devoted through difficulty to the apostles' teaching and prayer and worship and fellowship and on down the list it goes. Make us a devoted people to you. Therefore, devoted to your word. Root out in our thinking all self-centered thinking, which is... No foolishness that rejects your wisdom and understanding and make us a wise people a growingly wise people individually and corporately who are mining the truths of your word because we love you because of your grace to us in Christ and growing in wisdom and knowing that you will take us all the way home Lord, some don't believe your word. Some even listening to my voice in this room or in the rooms around me or even outside don't, don't believe your word. Work, work, work in their hearts. Help them to see the foolishness of rejecting you and your word. Some claim faith in you but still are neglecting at best, rejecting at worst your word. And those of us who do trust you and know you and love you and want to live for you, we struggle. Help us. Deliver us from all the distractions and the lures around us and focus our hearts and our minds on you that we might love and live for you and be on mission for you and do it arm in arm together for the gospel. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Your word incarnate, your son, your word written that we might know you in your salvation and trust and rest in Christ. So those who don't know you this morning, I pray that you'd save them, that you'd draw them to faith. Those of us who do know you, afresh and anew, challenge us and encourage us and move us by the power of your spirit to take you seriously, to take your word seriously, to take living for you seriously, and to encourage one another in the fight that is the Christian life. Have mercy on us and help us, Lord. We thank you for the fact that you are doing exactly that. You are working in us through your word. And you won't give up. You won't stop. Because you loved us first. 
even before the foundation of the world and sent your son to save us. Thank you, Lord. We cry out to you and praise you. Rest in you and trust you. Do it all in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.